0: Hello, and welcome to a very special episode of Virtual Legality. My name is Richard Hogue, the managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And today we have a virtual legality first. Throughout my coverage of the Epic versus Apple versus the European Union versus the antitrust laws of the various jurisdictions of the world, uh, I had a number of commenters come into my videos and tell me what I was doing wrong, which is not that unusual, uh, but also directing me uh, to another uh, YouTube lawyer uh, that I believe had really just gotten started this year. And and she reached out to me. We started chatting on Twitter. And so I am very happy to introduce uh, Legal Bites, uh, which is Hello. another YouTuber, as I mentioned. Hello. Uh, and I, I want to get your background because this thing we do, uh, practicing law, running law firms, and then also chatting about topics of popular culture on this website, YouTube, is unusual. So what brought you to this uh, and and what led you to meeting with me? I know why I met with you because people were telling me that you were right and I was wrong, but uh, tell me a little bit about yourself and thank you so much for coming on the show.
1: Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Um, so you're right. I, I just started the channel in uh, June of this year. Um, it was, so I kind of have to go a little bit further back than this year. Uh, for a long time, I've been wanting to create some sort of um, flexible situation for my career. Um, just kind of that for one reason because it just suits my personality, but for another reason because um, I knew that my uh, my life in general would be uh, very mobile uh, moving forward. So my my husband's in the military, so we move every couple years, every few years, and I I knew that that sure. was going to be in my in my future. Um, so I wanted to create a situation for myself that I could still continue my career as a lawyer, um, but give myself something that I could do from pretty much anywhere around the world. Um, and then COVID happened. Um, and (laughs) so, you know, as, as everyone knows, um, and my, so I, I had a job at a law firm, um, and then that, that job actually went away.
0: <laughs> sure. Sure. So, um, happened a lot to a lot of people. Yeah.
1: Oh yeah, of course. So basically this was my sort of creative solution to sort of solve all of those problems was to figure out if I could build a channel and just start talking about the law, start talking about what I know and, you know, what I can help other people to understand. Um, I've always been one to sort of want to use what I know and, you know, use my experiences to sort of help other people around me. I've I mean, as every lawyer does, I always have f- family and friends and whatnot coming up to me, asking me questions about <laughs> all kinds of, <laughs> all kinds of legal stuff. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so I just, I, I decided to start the channel and partly because of, um, a lot of encouragement from my husband, he's, uh, he basically gets pretty credits on the channel. Um, so, sure. uh, so yeah, so that's, that's basically how, how it got started. Yeah.
0: Oh, see, that's fantastic. I mean, I, I think people that have been in virtual legality with me know that I'm pretty passionate about helping people understand more about some things that are written pretty poorly and some misunderstandings that yeah. are really rampant in just the stuff that we otherwise like and enjoy, whether that's movies or, or video yeah. games for me personally. Uh, and, and there's so much not misinformation, but it's not the, the folks's fault that don't necessarily delve into the law as much as us. Uh, but at least certain misunderstandings that I think, uh, folks like you and me can, can hopefully when we're doing this right, and that's not every day, uh, can clear up. And and certainly when people made me aware of your channel, one of the things that I noted was that you were taking a, a similar approach with talking about popular culture and talking about movies and talking about Epic and talking about, I can see on your, uh, I can see on your YouTube channel screen that you've got, uh, uh, discussion of the twilight zone, the movie death. And, and that was one of those stories that I actually remember <laughs> reading about when I was a kid. And that always fascinated me. I haven't checked that one out. So I'll have to click on that one. Uh, but yeah. I, I think that that's great. That's one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the channel. Um, I also have to tell folks to absolutely check out your stuff, uh, but also expect a great deal more and better video editing than you get here yeah. on my which is basically a screen cap of, uh, my desktop or my Chrome browser in any given instance. Uh, LegalBytes is really doing some some cool uh, visual stuff uh, on YouTube that uh, is, is beyond my ken. And so if you like that, I, I highly recommend it.
1: Oh, thank you very
0: much. No, absolutely. Uh, so with that all being said, one of the things I thought we would do, what we talked about uh, before setting up this uh, video is to just go over a few stories. When we had originally planned to do this in the first instance, I think it was before the epic preliminary injunction came out. and We were thinking maybe we would talk through that document. That obviously didn't happen. We were both, I think, doing things of, of various stripes. Uh, 2020 is a heck of a year for, for doing anything, for anybody. That's true. Um, <laughs> and, and so uh, what I wanna do, I think, is we talked about a couple of topics and just talk about them and kind of a bite-size approach, uh, uh, not to put too fine a point <laughs> on it. I, I love the title that you have <laughs> for your channel. Um, and uh, if that works for you, I think the first thing we're going to talk about is some interesting questions about false advertising. So see if I could change this banner up. Oh, I can. It's very exciting here on the StreamYard. Um, and, and one of the things that you were with me was that you were hearing noises about people talking about the PlayStation 5. And in particular, one of the things that's on the PlayStation 5 box. Now I pulled up a Eurogamer article here that we can talk about it a little bit. Ah, uh, more specifically, but what what are you hearing with respect to the the PS five and I guess resolutions uh, at this point in time?
1: Yeah, so the the fact that it has a, a, a labeling on the box saying that it it's uh, or well just saying eight K, really saying that nothing more than that.
0: eight K in the top right. It absolutely one hundred percent does.
1: Yeah, so I've gotten um, I've gotten some comments, um, and I've also seen elsewhere around around YouTube, like you know Jake Baldino on Game Ranks, I think he mentioned it in one of his videos,
0: um, okay. asking
1: about asking about whether or not you know that's false advertising because um, you know the I guess the issue is that the the, the PS five right now doesn't actually it, it it's capable of of uh, of doing eight K, but it doesn't have uh, the the software requirements. Uh, Currently, like they, they said that after after an update on the software, they'll be they'll be able to produce eight K images.
0: So it will be someday. Um, it just isn't out of the yeah. box as of launch. Exactly. And presumably, Sony's thinking there that it will be relatively soon, so that all those boxes aren't saying something that's entirely inaccurate for too long, and that the early adopters are unlikely to bring too many complaints. Would be my guess. Uh, but if you haven't. If you haven't in your space already, one of the things that I will tell you is one of the most common comments in virtual legality is, is X, Y, or Z false advertising? Is the Witcher 3 downgrade false advertising? Is the lack of puddles in Spider-Man false advertising? Is the fact that Hulk (laughs) didn't charge out with the other Avengers at the end of Infinity War, is that false (laughs) advertising? Um, and, And I don't blame people because Effectively, at least in the United States, you're allowed a certain amount of deception, right? I, I talked about that right. whole thing. It's like, no, they are trying to preserve a greater value for you, and and also one of the things that comes up is that the FTC doesn't care about any of this stuff, uh, right? Like the FTC is primarily focused on you yeah. saying that a drug cures you and it actually kills you, and and, and these kinds of things. But I, I do think, I do think when people say, "Hey, eight Ks on the box." Um, and it can't do 8K out of the box, that I suppose there's a fact pattern somewhere where somebody at the same time that they bought a PlayStation 5 uh, bought some kind of 8K TV, which I got to be honest with you, before I read this Eurogamer article, I I didn't know existed. Um, I I don't know if there's (laughs) any content available for 8K. I I have no idea what you're playing on this thing. Um, But as you can see in this Eurogamer article, they say uh, this is somewhat frivolous and borderline pointless as their preamble. Uh, but i tried to get it working on a native 8k screen and found that despite it being on the box the ps5 currently tops out at 4k resolution which on its face black letter law uh, yeah that's that's false advertising right sorry you broke
1: up for a second in the at the end oh there. i'm
0: sorry about that i, I all <laughs> i was okay. saying is is that yeah black letter we say it can do 8k it can't do 8k that is without getting into the legality of it by the english language that is false advertising of what the product can do right
1: sure or at the very least misleading
0: yeah sure because it's going to do 8k someday but it's not going to do 8k right out of the box and and i think that's one of right. the things that people struggle with is it's 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 not just okay it's it's 8k but it's not really 8k and you wanted it to be 8k and maybe you bought a tv which is maybe helpful to a case that you want to make. But you also have to show these kinds of things. I brought up uh, just one of my favorite websites, the Cornell website that does these kind of little treatise things, which as as people that listen to me regularly know, I don't recommend going to secondary source material outside of the statutes, but, but Cornell is pretty good at it. And you can see that you usually have to make a claim that it's false or misleading, that you actually were deceived or that it had a tendency to deceive. And that it's material enough to influence your purchasing decision and that you had a likelihood of injury. So so you've right. got these other components of, you know, what actually happened here. And I think that does get lost in the wash because people asking the question, um, is this false advertising? And it's not really the whole question. It's really can you do you have some kind of legally recognizable claim for false advertising, right? And, and here I think right. the frivolous and borderline pointless language in the Eurogamer kind of gives that game away
1: right well and also in in some of the commentary that you'll find on it around youtube and elsewhere is okay well you know pointing out this this little detail it says 8k on the box well we kind of know that no one really makes 8k you know uh content at this point or at right. least we don't know of anyone that really does that so you know uh eh, you know who really who really cares about it so you can also kind of tell just based on that um, that sort of commentary that it's not exactly going to be material if it's not something that's readily available elsewhere with uh, other displays, other content, et cetera.
0: Right. It's, a, it's that injury concept. What What did we do wrong? It's like, yeah, okay, we sold you a box that maybe it doesn't do what it says, but how were you harmed by this? And, and maybe somebody could say, I never would have bought it, uh, but it would be a very difficult claim to make. And as I said, for the most part, they're concerned about things that hurt you not things that don't display double the resolution that you wanted on your television set. Right. But these kinds of concepts in false advertising really do impact uh, actual hardware out there. And, and certainly people that come into my space and tell me that I'm an Epic shill and that, uh, or that I'm an <laughs> Apple shill and that Epic is the best and everything else, uh, we'll, we'll look at this article that we we're about to talk about, which I want to give a hat tip to Mike on Twitter at Adon Alcium, I apologize in advance for that pronunciation, who brought up this article that showed that the iPhone, Apple, was being fined for quote unquote unfair claims in Italy. And I want to just talk about this for just a second. Italian regulators have filed, I uh, have fined Apple 10 million euros, 12 million US dollars for making misleading and unfair claims about iPhone water resistance. First, it says Apple made their water resistance claims without making it clear to consumers that these were true only in ideal laboratory conditions. This is the weaker claim to me. I'm not sure that I buy this one. I I think we generally assume that whatever they're saying is in the most practical, ideal world that you can imagine. But they said, according to the authority here. The messages did not clarify that these claims were true only in the presence of specific conditions, for example, during specific and controlled laboratory tests with the use of static and pure water. So they're putting them in little bowls of water and saying, oh, yeah, I can last for 30 minutes. And then somebody says, hey, I can take it out into the Pacific Ocean. And of course, it doesn't have the same kind of resistance. The second one that's labeled in this article that is more serious is that Apple made these water resistance claims in its marketing, but then refused warranty service on phones which suffered water damage. They put in a disclaimer that says the guarantee does not cover damage by liquids. And given the emphatic advertising boast of water resistance, it was considered likely to deceive consumers by not clarifying which type of guarantee it referred to. Conventional guarantee, meaning we're we're sure it's solid or legal guarantee, meaning we actually have to do something about it if it's not. And I do think... I want to point out the differences in these kinds of discussions, right? The the PlayStation 5 not being able to broadcast in 8K and only being able to broadcast in 4K. As you point out, when you don't have content, you don't have anything that you can even put on the thing. It's very difficult to see how you are harmed versus getting this kind of advertising from Apple and then putting in the small text. Hey, by the way, even though we said all this stuff about water, we're not going to warranty any of it. This is Italian, and maybe the United States would be a little bit more freedom of contracting and say, hey, you should have read the fine print. But this is the kind of thing we're seeing more and more of, not just with Apple, but with other of these tech giants that says, hey, we are concerned about you trying to have both sides of this.
1: Yeah, and, and I would actually add to that, too, that, I mean, everyone knows that getting water in your phone, that's a pretty common problem. I mean, yeah. How many people, even if you haven't yourself, how many people do you know that have had to put their phone into a rice bag? Um, you know, so that's that's also a, a, a common problem that people have with a phone, like an iPhone. Sure. Um, and so to have that kind of marketing, it looks like it's a presentation of a solution to that problem. That seems to be a, a, a much bigger issue, I think, than the 8K display on a PS5.
0: Sure. And so, and, and the Italian authorities agree, Not that not that 10 million euros is going to make any difference on the Apple bottom line, of course. Uh, but True. yeah, I, I think that's the difference is if, if I could impress anything on people that are watching this video or talking about these kinds of things is that that's a much clearer line to consumer X was harmed by this thing. Consumer X put it in their swim trunks and took it out into the ocean because they thought they had 30 minutes and they really only had 10 with the waves hitting it or with salt water or, or what have you. And then Apple coming around the back with the warranty disclaimer that says, oh, by the way, we don't cover anything that relates to liquids. That harms people in a way that is much more easily understood than, oh, you can't broadcast in 8K, but nothing actually does that anyway. And Sony's probably going to take care of it before anything really comes about in in 8K world. Yeah, I would agree. So that's, That's PlayStations, iPhones, and false advertising. Like I said, uh, I get false advertising questions all the time. I fully expect when Cyberpunk releases uh, in... Uh, what now, nine days? We're told. We'll see. I I have my doubts, but just because of the history of cyberpunk release dates, uh, not because of anything I've heard on the street or anything. Um, When cyberpunk releases, I fully expect at least a half dozen comments or DMs on my Twitter to say, hey, this was downgraded from E3 whatever, 2017. Is, Is it false advertising? To which I will say in advance, no, no, it's probably not false advertising. But on cyberpunk, one of the things I wanted to talk about is Twitch, right? Twitch has been in the news a lot, uh, and and for not very good reasons. I don't know. Have you covered the DMCA apocalypse on Twitch on your channel? I, I might not have seen it if you did.
1: No, no, I haven't. I haven't really covered DMCA much at all.
0: Oh, okay, it's fun. Yeah, people have their thoughts on the DMCA as well. So, uh, yeah, we did a we did a long form series oh, about absolutely. So many- Oh, yeah. We did a long form oh, series. on. I think doing there's a little bit down. of a disconnect on the Internet. Oh, that's all right. <laughs> that's Internet for you. Like I said, when we did this in the pre-show, <laughs> I, I think the casualness and the, the talking over each other is part of a podcast's charm. Uh, so we're just going to try to steer into that. Of course. As, as we discussed. But no, I did a long form series on Sony taking down everything everywhere that mentioned anything about The Last of Us Part Two after they had the, the leak slash hack slash whatever happened uh, with respect to those cutscenes, and, and that led me down the, the DMCA rabbit hole uh, until we're talking about it now uh, at length. And Twitch, of course, very recently had to start dealing with the fact that for the last couple of years at minimum and really for its entire existence, Twitch has had the right terms in its terms of service to say, hey, when you use Twitch, you are going to promise us that you aren't infringing on anybody else's copyright or any other intellectual property. But they hadn't really been enforcing it too much. And in fact, if you go really back into the past, you can see blog posts and things that maybe kind of quasi encourage DJ channels and things like that. And of course the music industry just bides its time and destroys things when it feels like it. And so they started uh, putting, I think thousands of DMCA takedown notices uh, on Twitch streamers and Twitch acted as a kind of bulwark for a little bit. And that said, basically you have to cut off all your archival videos and things like that. Uh, And so video game streamers in general, I think rightly so reacted very negatively to this and said, hey, what can I even stream? Twitch said, hey, Maybe you should mute your audio. Maybe you should mute everything related to the game and people can just hear you talk over the game at which point people said, well, this this isn't gonna work. And thankfully there are folks like CD Projekt Red out there that are saying things like this on a tweet. Worried about copyright issues when streaming or recording Cyberpunk 2077? Don't be. We've prepared a feature for all of the content creators, disable copyrighted music, just toggle it on and you'll be ready to go. And they put forth this blog post, that says, uh, as always, we encourage everyone to create videos using content from our games and we love to see you stream them. Of course, one of my big complaints about the video game industry is that most big publishers are not terribly clear in their user license agreement or elsewhere that you can stream things. They generally have an explicit and express restriction on broadcast and performance publicly while then still maybe saying other things in their blog posts. This doesn't appear to be the case with CD Projekt Red, which we'll talk about as well. They say, unfortunately, the world of copyright law is complicated and not all of these songs can be streamed or used in your video content, the songs included in the game. Because of this, we have created a dedicated feature for content creators, the Disable Copyrighted Music Toggle, available in the game settings, will disable a small portion of in-game tracks, streaming of which could otherwise result in demonetization or takedowns of your videos or stream clips, videos on demand. Now, before we talk about this a little bit more at length, I do wanna say, Cyberpunk is perhaps the biggest name to highlight this. And certainly the only one that I can remember doing it in their own blog post to say, hey, streamers, we love you. We want you to be streaming our game. We're gonna add this button for you. They aren't the only ones though. Uh, I pulled up just a random article here from October. FIFA 21 now lets players disable all music to avoid streaming copyright infringements, to dis- disable all music for streaming purposes. I have seen this in other games before. And I guess my question to you is, uh, I, you can see I've labeled it the future of music streaming. Is this the future of streaming video games on, on Twitch is to have these buttons and or should these companies be doing a better job in trying to negotiate Ah, uh, sync and broadcast and publication licenses as part of the music that they are licensing for use in their game itself.
1: Well, I mean, I think those negotiations are probably pretty pretty complicated and pretty definitely. difficult. I mean, definitely for for especially d- depending on the size of the of the company. Um, I think that in terms of whether or not this is going to be a new thing for all games moving forward, I don't know. I mean, I think, I think it's a good thing. Obviously, it's, it, it got a lot of, uh, great, uh, responses on Twitter. Um, and I think, I think that there, there is sort of this, uh, I want to say symbiotic, but there's kind of like a, like a, in three directions, there's sort of this relationship, <laughs> yeah, you know,
0: between in the party. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Between Twitch, you know, the, the, the developers and the publishers and then with the, with the, with the streamers. Um, because they all sort of you know support one another in this like in this ecosystem altogether. So I th- think that this is a really great solution, obviously. Um, and I think that if there's a way for them all to sort of continue having this sort of uh, feature that they can disable the copyrighted music, I mean, it would eliminate a lot of these issues that uh, gamers have in in streaming this. So I think I th- I think for sure it would be a great thing if if more if more developers more publishers started to set up a feature like that.
0: Yeah, and I think it's going to become necessary. I, m- the open question I have with the way this functions on Twitch and on YouTube, uh, to be fair, is with the kind of automated ID claims. They say they've got uh, a bunch of in-house music from their composers, 150 songs presumably licensed in, and when you hit this button. They're going to take out a small portion of them, presumably the ones that they just couldn't negotiate a proper license for. But what will remain will still be at some level an open question just because there are so many rights. Music is so bifurcated. You've got the the, the publisher. You've got the record label. You've got the actual composer and these kinds of things. And, and I'm still struggling with exactly how the Twitches and the YouTubes and the Facebook gamings of the world will get around someone just having their own owned copy of a bit of music and having that trigger algorithmic strikes. Um, And the the question that I have is will publishers, will CD Projekt Red, if somebody has hit this button and they've grabbed something else that maybe shouldn't be grabbed, is that publisher gonna come to the defense of maybe a tiny streamer with three concurrent views uh, and that's trying to build something on the platform? And I have my doubts there just as a matter of volume uh, against everything else. So that's where I get concerned is that we are moving to more of that algorithmic identification. And you are seeing discussions on Twitch of things like sound effects being tagged. And and certainly you see this a lot with classical music uh, where you've got something in the public domain, maybe you've got a re-recording and it just, the, the, the algorithm doesn't know that it's not this recording that's otherwise copyrighted. And you still get into that trouble And Twitch in its own fact, has said, hey, we're going to use this stuff. We're going to use the algorithms. Uh, And it's going to be shoot first, ask questions later. Was this licensed? Did it have the right button pressed on the video game? That's where I still get concerned. And I think that's going to need to be sorted out. And I think some big guns with some big money and and that are well-resourced are going to have to defend some people on the ground at some point in the near future in order for all of this to work for everybody. As you rightly said, this is a benefit to, to basically everyone that CD Projekt Red wants it streamed. The streamer wants to monetize it, wants to have viewers, wants to stream it. Twitch obviously wants to exist and make money for, for Amazon uh, and everybody else. But we still are in a situation where you've got these algorithms, you've got these contract terms that maybe don't work for everybody. And one of the things that I was interested in when I read this article was, okay, they say in this blog post, they wanna encourage people to stream. Is that the way CD Projekt Red has worked? And if you go and you look at how they actually draft their end user license agreements, it is. This is the kind of user license agreement you want to see if you want to stream their content. Just to be clear, for all of you doing Let's Plays on YouTube, we are totally fine with it. And yes, when you monetize it, we are also fine. This is in their actual (laughs) legal document. People ask me what the difference is. And and I say, well, if you've got a blog post, you can probably go and tell a judge that you were basing your decisions on this blog post. And you might win because it looks bad for the company. and, And certainly you might settle or anything else like that. But from a legally operative standpoint, generally speaking, these user license agreements are going to say they're the whole agreement. And right. if there's going to be an amendment to that agreement, it's going to require a signed authorized party or something like that. When the blog posts that Ubisoft or Activision or Electronic Arts or whoever uses are designed to encourage you to stream, but we still reserve the right to strike you if you say something that we don't like in the future, when really, the CD Projekt Reds of the world don't have that right once they've given you the license to broadcast and publicly display the game. And so I look for things like this. Um, I I really think people streamers, people that are going to make their livelihood on that platform need to look for things like this, need to look for that express permission and and probably in the near future say, I'm not going to stream something if it's in that gray area, because all those big publishers I mentioned, they like streaming. They just don't, necessarily want to give up the gray area in their end user license agreement. So it's going to take something from streamers or other parties to to move that language in a direction that I think is more clear for everybody and really better for the industry. Uh, But that obviously hasn't happened yet. And the end result is people that are putting their livelihood on Twitch and putting hundreds of thousands of hours into that effort uh, that are are at a little bit more risk than I personally uh, would want them to be in. Right. But that's Cyberpunk. That is, of course, a movement towards getting these copyrighted materials out of streams so that streamers can feel a little bit more comfortable with them. It looks very much like if The Witcher 3 license is going to be anything like the Cyberpunk license that CD Projekt Red is going to give you, that express black letter authorization to stream Cyberpunk. We'll check out that terms of service uh, when it comes out. But obviously, nine days from now, I think that's, that's probably the biggest game on everybody's mind. Uh, going into the holiday season, we, we'll we'll finally see uh, what that game winds up looking like. Uh, you have anything else on that, or are we going to move on to Twitch and uh, what do we what do we call it? Uh, tantalizing algorithms. <laughs> <laughs> right.
1: Uh, no, I mean, just I'm excited for Cyberpunk for sure.
0: So yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, that's a good question <laughs> actually. No, since since I've got you on here, I, I, I saw that you do pop culture. I've seen you talk about games and certainly Epic. Are you a a gamer or do you you enjoy things? What do you enjoy in terms of gaming? I'm certainly looking forward to cyberpunk as well. So. But I
1: grew up with, didn't really want to let me play. So I grew up mostly as a a bystander, if you will. Um, So my my husband is definitely a big gamer. Um, So I kind of was reintroduced as an adult through him. I mean, starting with just watching him play, but then also um, for my birthday one year, he got me a Nintendo Switch, and then we started playing uh, all kinds of games together. And obviously, it came with Zelda and everything else. So I've, I've started to play on my <laughs> right. own um, since then. Um, oh, but uh, but mostly, I mean, I, what what I enjoy most is, I mean, being kind of like the the backseat driver, just kind of telling him like, do this, <laughs> you know, throw a Molotov cocktail, go over there, you know, check the cabinet. <laughs>
0: So yeah, that's, that's no, really what I video love. Video games can be engaging oh, yeah. in family settings, definitely. That's, I've had a lot of fun experiences with my daughters, even over this Thanksgiving weekend, uh, playing some puzzle games on the Switch. So absolutely. No, I yeah. I, I love to hear it. Um, you know, I think for a long time, gaming was put in the corner. Um, and it's just one of the most popular industries in, in the world. And so I like to hear different people's experiences with it uh, because I really do think it has helped... Um, uh, it has helped me a lot in my lifetime with just strategic thinking, and and certainly back in the day, it's not so much true anymore. Reading uh, and, and typing on the computer, uh, I think I learned all of those from King's Quest and, and various things that I played uh, really a long time ago. Now putting them my age uh, on on full display, um, but uh, yeah, that's that's great. I love I love Zelda. I love the Switch, uh, and to a lesser yeah. extent, I love Twitch. So let's talk about. <laughs> just a little bit. So I did a video a little while back that was from a a pro se personal litigant that basically brought a a claim against Twitch that it was too sexy and that he tried to keep turning it off and the algorithm was too effective and it was causing him damage that I actually had to skip portions of the lawsuit to read through on YouTube. So we won't uh, reiterate here, and one of the big problems that that he was facing uh, was that Twitch actually properly drafted their terms of service and says, "Hey, uh, these rules do not create a private right of action. If we don't contain content that is otherwise prohibited, we'll, we'll do our best. But if we prohibit it and you're somehow damaged by it, uh, that's not our fault. Uh, and certainly some state laws would potentially say that that's a void provision, but but not generally." In this case, you also brought up a great point when we were talking about this topic before the show and that 230 itself uh, creates an issue, right? Uh, you know, that Twitch isn't actually making this stuff. So so how do you see right. 230 interacting with this particular lawsuit? We're going to talk about how it was just tossed in a second. But what, what do you see 230 doing?
1: Uh, well, so section 230 protects all uh, uh, social media platforms for the content that's published by you
0: Right, right that the platform itself isn't liable
1: inventory against another Exactly, so I mean this is all content the content that he's complaining about is all content that's put up by various users uh, and is moderated by the platform, but That kind of uh, liability is... is, I mean, well, you can't be held liable for it. There's an immunity for it under Section
0: 230. Yeah, Twitch can't be held liable for the actual production of the content. But let me play devil's advocate for a second. Um, One of the claims that he had was that Twitch's secret sauce was actually putting this stuff in front of him more often than it otherwise should be. And that it was essentially overriding his blocks and things like that. Do you think that makes them... Let's pretend that this lawsuit was brought well for a second. Do you think that would make them potentially more liable as something other than just the service that they're, they're taking an active role in in doing this bad thing that he claims?
1: Well, so I mean, I guess, I guess potentially I could, I could kind of see how that could create some sort of liability for them because they're not being held responsible as a third party. They're being held responsible for activities that they're taking Right. Um, so I guess that that would that would go around Section 230 in that sense.
0: Yeah. And that's and the only reason I asked that question is it's one of the areas where I see people get tripped up a bunch, particularly with Twitter. You know, when Twitter started adding their kind of editorials uh, and, and people said, well, you know, they could have a claim against uh, claim against them. And people said, no, 230 defended them. One of the things I tried to frame out for people is that, no, once once you act on your own that's your information. Now, is Twitter going to be liable for saying this tweet is a lie? Probably not because you have to actually find another source of liability. It's 230's just a shield, but it doesn't get you out of the things that you actually do as a platform. And while I think that <laughs> while I think that the algorithm itself is not going to be something that presents a legal claim as we will see in just a second, it is still a, an open question as mm-hmm. to could it? If it was doing something really bad, if if Twitch was using the algorithm to collect data surreptitiously, 230 is not going to get you out of that. Um, and I think that's an important distinction right. that is too often lost, especially just in people talking uh, on Twitter, but even in some of the journalistic outlets that I see where 230 has been a topic in 2020, it's going to be a topic in 2021, and and people, A, need to read it. Uh, because there's all sorts of stuff that comes out, which is just self-evident that they haven't read it, and and two, people need to understand that it's not just this blanket shield for anybody that operates on the internet for anything that they want to do. Right. Which leads us to some fun reporting, right? This is you brought this to my attention. <laughs> This is from Dexerto, which is not a site I'm familiar with. It said, viewer who sued Twitch for $25 million over simp culture. I won't even pretend to exactly understand. Denied by judge. This was the lawsuit that we were just talking about. And denied by judge is what I think flagged it for you. Uh, we were looking at what exactly it meant. Had had his case denied by a California court and, and describes it as getting kicked out. But unfortunately, the, the ruling link that they send you to is not actually the ruling. Uh, So we have to take this on faith. It says the exhibits submitted by the plaintiff with his opposition do not identify much less support any claims under California law. And then they try to summarize as basically after the lawsuit was filed, lawyers representing Twitch made a motion with the court to dismiss it. And the court did with prejudice. Now we talked about this to start the show, but I think they backed into what happened here kind of accidentally. Um, So as you pointed out, one, if you go and you look up this case, it's still listed as active, right? And we go down and we look at all the things that are put forth in this uh, particular case and we get down to a motion to strike. Uh, and now a motion to strike, as you rightly pointed out, is is not a motion to dismiss usually. It's, it's kicking out certain evidence for X reason or, or Y reason. Uh, but in this particular case, I had to do the research on this because I wasn't familiar with California civil procedure. And I saw that this was a motion to strike uh, under section 425.16 and appears to be what this decision was based on. So we have this actual hearing time, November 24th. You have these articles from, I believe it's November 25th. Yep. November 25th. So this appears to be the hearing where you've got those kind of temporary orders. And in this case, the motion to strike, which ordinarily would be kind of wrongly uh, described in an article like this one, is instead uh, a motion to dismiss the case. Because in California, uh, an anti-slap lawsuit, a lawsuit that is against freedom of speech, is uh, something that is done through what they call a special motion to strike, shall be subject to a special motion to strike. And apologies for losing you there for a second, Legal Bites. Um, So one of the things that we've got uh, as a topic of discussion here is you've got this lawsuit. It's obviously not a great lawsuit. We talked about it in our space. You might have talked about it in your space as well. Uh, But at the end of the day, it gets kicked out. But even there, we've got articles that are probably simplifying this question too much. Because what appears to have happened is that the California courts kicked it out under an anti-slap statute that was designed to protect things that relate to freedom of speech, right? An act in furtherance of a person's right of petition of free speech under the United States or California constitution in connection with a public issue concerns all these things, but is supposed to be in connection with a public issue or issue of public interest. So we can't see the legal documents. And this is where I'd really ask for journalists to link these a little bit better, but we know that the court appears to have struck this lawsuit as a violation of Twitch's freedom of speech, which seems like an odd way for Twitch to get this fully kicked out of court. Do you have any thoughts on what's happened here on the reporting on it? Uh, and, and and what it is that we do on these channels that is hopefully helpful to people that are tackling these issues separately. So,
1: sorry, I got kicked out a little bit uh, by the I internet. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I brought you back. Um, yes. Yeah. Um, so, as far as as yeah, it it is it is an odd it is an odd argument because usually that's something for for an individual to uh, to claim as as freedom of speech. It is kind of odd for a corporation, but obviously corporations have uh, have argued that before and they have won sure. on that before. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, it's it's it, it it is a strange claim to make.
0: <laughs> well, and and California seems <laughs> to lock it down to this notion of being in connection with a public issue or issue of public interest. This is one of those times where it's like I I would love to I would love to actually be able to see these motions to have people link to them because it sounds uh, really interesting. What exactly do you claim for uh these streams that are related to an issue of public interest? Just the just the right to stream in general? Um, maybe some kind of equal protection claim because he only brought it against, I think, like female streamers or, or notions of them. Um, I, I don't know. Um, and it is interesting. It is one of those areas, though, when you talk about the law and you talk about how the courts operate on a kind of real politic basis, where you say, hey, this is the way that Twitch wanted to see it dismissed. Uh, We looked at the court case. It obviously was unlikely to succeed on its merits. And so the court had the motion before it and said, yeah, you know what? This is a waste of everybody's time. So we're just going to we're just going to grant this particular motion to strike without getting maybe too far into the weeds on details. Uh, And that's uh, the unfortunate truth is we we try to make logic out of these things. That was the motion that was put before the court. And so they said, oh, uh, yeah, all right, Uh, because. At the end of the day, a case like this really is a waste of the court's time, and in 2020, especially, the court doesn't have a ton of time to waste, and and so that's basically how I see it. Uh, but unfortunately, that does mean that that the saga of, of so sexy it should be illegal uh, would appear to be ended uh, at this point uh, in time. Do you have anything else to to add on on the fun reporting of this Twitch case, or, or really what what is that we do on these channels?
1: Yeah, uh, well, I, the other thing that that this uh that this case makes me think of is uh vexatious litigation in California. Right. Um, I mean, I know that I know that this guy has filed like 8 or 9 other lawsuits from what I, think I, I read from that, what yeah. I've read elsewhere. Um and and depending on, I think the first one was probably in 2008, but depending on uh, the frequency of those lawsuits, he could be he could be slapped as a vexatious litigant at some point. Yeah. Um so I I, I wouldn't I mean, I would be curious to see if that happens after this one. I don't know enough about the other lawsuits that have happened, you know, since I guess 2008 was his first one from what I read. But, you know, I mean, I would I would just be very curious to see what happens with regard to that issue, too.
0: And if he were declared at that, what's the impact to him?
1: Uh, so there, the court could issue a uh, or, or could could give a brief filing order basically saying that the litigant has to get permission uh, from that judge before he can file another lawsuit against someone. okay And he basically has to show the judge that that whatever lawsuit that he' that he wants to file it has merit um, and, and you know and that he should proceed. So it, it basically adds another barrier to him before he gets another uh, another defendant wrapped up in you know tens of thousands if not more of dollars in, in litigation.
0: Right. So before Twitch has to pay money or, or anybody else, uh, he'd have to show merit. The, the interesting part about that, uh, and that's not a process that I was familiar with. So thank you for sharing it with me, uh, is that yeah, no when problem. I was covering some of the stuff that was happening in Australia, uh, somebody DM'd me and said uh, that that process that they're undergoing down there uh, with respect to uh, antitrust and, and various things is actually... Uh, very similar to what you just described, that that at least in Australia, it appears to be the, the case that you actually have to go and show some chance of winning on the merits before you can before you can drag the defendant in. Uh, presumably is that kind of stopgap because obviously one of the things we've talked about in virtual legality is anybody can sue you for any reason and even just getting it to a motion to dismiss is going to be some amount of money and time uh, for the lawyers. Uh, so right. there is that kind of gray area games playing that I don't think Anybody really likes uh, when it when it comes to uh, justice and the the justice system in America. Well, oh, yeah, right. I, I didn't know
1: it. that about about Australian law. That's that's the interesting. American <laughs> law, as you said, we
0: could... No, neither did I. That's what I said to the guy that brought me the message. I think we got some more, more delays in the. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. So those are the three topics that I really wanted to just chat with, just to kind of get a feel for, for talking over these things uh, with you, obviously pop culture, video games, music, movie, TV, business and law, all those good things. Um, I, w- I did want to give you the opportunity to uh, tell folks uh, where they can find you, what you're up to, what you might have on the coming slate on your YouTube channel, on your Twitter, uh, whatever it might be. So I, I do want to turn over the broadcast to you. Where can folks check out Legal Bites? so uh we've got uh,
1: a channel on Twitter I'm sorry not on Twitter well I do have a, a Twitter account uh but there's a channel primarily on YouTube uh, you can find us on on YouTube just look look for legal bites um and we're on all of the other social media platforms too Instagram Facebook Twitter um I think that covers it uh um, so yeah, find us, find your- us there do I see a patreon in your yeah oh. Yes, yes, yeah, we do have patreon. I haven't um I haven't really advertised it yet just because um oh, I wanted okay, to make sure sorry. to be building up <laughs> well, oh no, that's okay. I mean, obviously it's 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 there um, but uh it, yeah, I mean, it's 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 there. Um, I haven't really advertised it as much just because I wanted to build up a library, build up a you know uh, some goodwill uh, with viewers yeah. first before I you know before I start pointing pointing people in that direction. um but yeah, I might as well start now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, hey, I saw it. I want to make sure you get all the pitching out there that you need to get out there because I'm very thankful for you spending your time uh, with me. And and certainly Instagram and and Facebook are not places that I generally uh, am on. So I, I want to. Uh, I, maybe I need to advance into to photography. My wife's a photographer, so I can I can start adding just Instagram pictures of I don't know gavels and scales and, and video games <laughs> um, and, and things like that to go with my uh, to go with my video content. But I, I think yeah. this is great. Um, and I really want to say well, thank, thank you. you. I want to tell folks to to check out your channel. Um, if you like virtual legality, if you like what we do here and talking about these various issues from the bent of, hey, I'm interested in cyberpunk coming out and what does that mean from a legal perspective or a business perspective, that is the exact kind of thing that that legal bites is doing and also diving into some topics and stuff that we don't do here. Um, so if you do like this, if you're a subscriber here, I highly recommend checking it out. And if you like it over there, absolutely give it a subscription. I, I am subscribed. Uh, and uh, thank you again for stopping by Legal Bites.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much. I
0: really, really appreciate it. I, it.
1: It's been great. It's been a great, great
0: hour talking. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, hopefully we can have you back on here. And, and for folks uh, that are in virtual legality for a long time, this is the third year. I'm hopeful to have uh, even more guests on the channel. I've got some things, uh, some irons in the fire uh, and hopefully this is just the first of many surprises coming in the third year of the channel. So thank you very much for checking it out. Thanks again, Legal Bites, And we will see you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality. <laughs>